0: Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at SchoolStatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 166, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, the Department of Education says they will enforce school testing mandates during this coronavirus pandemic, and we check back in with the university conducting thousands of saliva COVID-19 tests each day. How's it working out for them? Stay with us. Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, how a K-12 software company built a contact tracing report and a quarantine tracking tool into their existing software. Hello everybody, Nick Ortego here. Today is September 6, 2020, and I'm joined by friend, principal, and co-host, Christina Pollard. Christina, week two is in the books for you with students at your school. How's it been going?
1: I'm still full of positivity and energy. Um, (laughs) You said that that low energy like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to remain positive. Um, it actually was a tough week. Mm-hmm. Um, just as we get into the groove of, of things, you know, school is just not always, you know, everything being hunky dory. So some tough challenges this week, um, but still remaining positive. Our numbers increased uh, in regard to um, student attendance. So people are feeling a little bit better. Um, we had some numbers switch from some kids switch from virtual to hybrid as they're understanding that trying to learn at home is difficult when you don't have um, the devices or the Internet or even just the family background is not equipped um, to provide that type of support. So we've seen some switches in that area and we identified one case. One
0: case. Okay. And how how did you identify that case? Was it that they contacted you and said, Hey, I have it. Or did you something trigger the L systems?
1: That's exactly what happened. Um, We had one teacher that contacted me um, that he didn't feel well and he got a rapid test um, and it was over the weekend. And so he was positive and we followed our restart and recovery procedures. Um, He's an activity teacher. Very small numbers um, that were around him, but not no one was close to him for more than fifteen minutes. Um, So we actually didn't have to quarantine any other teachers or students. Um, So it was a you know fairly easy situation. But when you send out the the notification letter, and there's three types of letters you can send out: one that a teacher was identified and your child needs to be quarantined or a teacher or staff member rather was um, has been identified. However, you know, there is no need to quarantine. You can watch your child, blah, 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 blah. But basically it's an isolated incident. And so it doesn't impact anybody in the building. And then of course, the third letter is if a student um, has a positive case and, and, or if we're seeing an outbreak. So the funny part about it, and it's not funny, but It's interesting, I guess, is we had to send out that notification just to the students that he um, interacted with. Mm -hmm. And boy, they turned it into a full on outbreak. Oh, there's 17 people up there with the virus. And my child is not coming to that school until you get it out of the building. And it just tickled me because we're so ill-informed and we don't take time to understand Mm -hmm. information that's shared.
0: Yeah, and I can see, you know, that's got to be tough. There's probably is some overreaction there. Um, I I know a lot of folks listen to us um, outside of the state. And again, we are the guinea pig, I guess, or one of the guinea pigs in the Mm -hmm. country. So I will will continue to update um, for the time being with the numbers of how we're doing, like how many cases are, I'm not going to say being contracted in the school, but people who are in the school contracting cases, whether it's in school or right. out to school to school or whatever. But here's where we are. Um, in the past week, um, and this is August 24th through the 28th, there were 138 new cases um, in the teacher slash staff side, and there were 280 on the student side. And that brings the total since school started this year or this you know, fall, um, mm-hmm. that would bring it to 482 teachers and staff. Again, this is statewide and 766 students statewide. You said
1: 766 students
0: statewide. Yeah. So it's so, about 1,100 people.
1: So you understand my stance in saying, while we had a tough week from the principal's perspective, it was mm-hmm. a tough week last week, but I'm remaining positive because we have one. Out of those eleven hundred cases, one right. A long start.
0: Yeah, and then when you start looking at actual like quarantine numbers, the state provides that as well, yeah. and those numbers okay. are of course much greater. You know, there because mm-hmm. people are as mm-hmm. a precaution going into quarantine, and it looks like some three thousand seven hundred students statewide um, in wow. the week of August twenty fourth through twenty eighth. So, I guess what I'm seeing just looking at the numbers from abroad is. It is disruptive because of the quarantine. Mm-hmm. Like you know, this is this is causing waves in our in our districts throughout the state. Um, but school is still going on, and um, it looks like again statewide we've had about eleven hundred actual cases confirmed um, amongst teachers and students. Which I don't want to say is good, but it's not like a mass
1: outbreak. Oh, it is good that it the numbers are so low. Go ahead and say that because we were really nervous about how fast or what great impact it would have on students and teachers needing to be quarantined and sent home. And so while 1100 is a lot, that is statewide. And so it looks like schools and districts are doing a good job of sanitizing, following, um, whatever protocols their district adopted and put in place. Um, the only thing that I guess as a principal I look at is still worrying about an equity issue as you identify students within your area that have to be quarantined. The good part about, um, the situation is that instruction can still continue. Um, they just need to stay home and then they can tap into virtual learning. However, um, what if a particular child or an area is, you know, high poverty? Does does not have the devices or the connectivity access, and so now they're quarantined, and you've got to find a way to get them a learning packet, something that will keep them engaged and keep them working, um, you know, as long as they're healthy and 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 feel positive and able to do so.
0: What still concerns me, though, is while those numbers are low, we're still talking about. 1,100 or so cases. And if we were to, I know this is a healthy population in many regards, but if we were just to say 1% of 1,100, that's 11 people, right? That potentially- Let me
1: ask you this question. When you say 1,100, just for clarity purposes, and we're talking about teachers, is this- are these numbers coming from schools that are in session? Because we still have a, a number of schools that are just about to open.
0: Right. So this is these are right. these are numbers. <laughs> this is the Mississippi Department of Health aggregate school COVID nineteen report. And and in the category where it says total COVID nineteen positive teachers slash staff since start of school, it is four hundred eighty two, and on the student side seven hundred and sixty six. So yes, I take it as this is school has started, and these are the positive cases that we have. okay, And so let's, let's remove students. Let's so then we'll that need
1: to look at the numbers a little bit differently than once all Mississippi schools are open, a- absolutely. we can get a really good picture.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Of the impact. Um, but let's remove students. Let's assume all students will, if, if they contract it, um, They'll be okay. They'll they will survive. But on the mm-hmm. teacher staff side, maybe not the case. So again, let's we're looking at right. four hundred eighty two teachers and staff, and if we take one percent of that, let's just say it's roughly four. Um, now, I mean, we're not we're not long term health communities. You know, it's not it's not necessarily an unhealthy population, but we are talking. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year old people that are contracting it out of the 482. So we know that death is a lagging indicator. And again, I I don't I wouldn't say like part of me is confident with these numbers. But the other part is if four teachers die in the next week or two, because it takes a while, unfortunately, um, I think we might look at this differently. I agree. Um, and that and that's what concerns me. So I don't, again, I don't think, like you said, we don't have a full picture of the entire state. And we also don't have a full picture of the impact, the true impact, which is, uh, unfortunately, fatalities. And, and do they have a column for fatalities to report? Are they reporting that? That's a good point. And as of right now, there is no column for that. And we do know that there was at least one teacher right um Mm -hmm. slash coach coach. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. um and so that is a very valid point um christina and that makes me want to like send a message offline to a reporter to say hey where's that column because and and, i mean statistically speaking if you know some mississippi schools were talking starting rather in mid-august it would be you know now until mid-september when those fatalities would start to be reported um so so anyhow so that's that is the reality of the situation i know again like you there's some schools that haven't even started yet. They're starting this week around the country, and they're probably curious, you know, how's it going? Is this even doable? And and that's just the kind of the raw data there. There was an interesting report um, from our Secretary of Education who says she will continue to enforce school testing mandates amid the pandemic. And this has been kind of split it's not been a partisan issue so to speak it was you know the governor of georgia uh, brian kemp a republican um had asked the education department yeah to suspend these tests um as well as the governor of michigan um gretchen whitmer a democrat um and after um this decision was made to continue with the test they both uh both states kind of had a lot of criticism. In fact, the Republican superintendent of schools in Georgia said it is disappointing, shows a complete disconnect with the realities of the classroom, and will be a detriment to public education to continue with these tests. And the governor of Michigan um, is accusing DeVos of forcing high stakes testing on our young children during a global pandemic. She said, quote, this virus has had an unprecedented impact on our kids and forcing them to take these assessments during a time when families everywhere are working around the clock to stay safe is great cruel. Um, but on on the other it side, is,
1: it is interesting, <laughs> an interesting decision, to be honest.
0: It, and, and I'm, I'm going to give you one more perspective. And then I'm, I want to hear your, your your thoughts on it. On the other side, the um, a Democrat out of Virginia, who is a chair of the House Education and Labor Committee, says he agrees with the decision. And there is no question that COVID-19 pandemic is having severe consequences for our students growth and achievement, particularly for our most vulnerable students. But he says we cannot begin to adge- address these consequences unless we fully understand. Um, via testing.
1: While our focus is to provide a safe, high-quality instructional environment for children, you have to, and the main focus had to shift—not just some focus on social-emotional, a huge front-and-center focus on social-emotional support—and not just for the students, for the teachers and. One of the things that we talked about is normally when we open with in-service, you remind your teachers of your accountability, um, where you stand as a school, as a district. You set instructional goals for the year. And the night before in-service began, I completely redid my entire presentation because I felt that that was not the appropriate focus in opening up with teachers who were terrified of whether they were going to get sick, if we were going to provide PPE, how are we going to keep okay. a building sanitized? You know, that's just a lot of pressure that's not necessary on the teachers. But then think about the youth. It's weird that you can't talk to your buddies face to face, you know, like normal. You can't touch and hug and play tag and just all of the things that make it normal for them and they're wearing mask um they're walking on decals and and staying 6 feet apart and just all of that that can't become our normal and it 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 to me that in itself is having a lot of you know negative emotions for children and then we want to push them and talk about proficiency and talk about high stakes testing and getting high scores it's um when when would hard that, for me.
0: when would that conversation start so assuming that you're going to have to push through high stakes testing. I mean, when did, when did it already started? It's already
2: started. We don't have a choice. Gotcha. We don't
1: have a choice. So I shifted my presentation as in deciding on what was going to, we were going to open up with and how I was going to impact the culture and climate for the staff. By the end of the week, we we had six days of in-service by the end of the week. I did have to slide it in there and address it and talk about how we're going to um, reach our goals. And, 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 you know, you cover things you do as a team, with the students, we haven't mentioned it yet. We've just been trying to get them rolling because with a hybrid model, realistically, they've only they've only seen us four times in each group. So even me, though we've been in school for two weeks.
0: So so we don't have high state testing numbers from last year, correct? Like no, sir. Okay. They're and, carrying over from the eighteen nineteen school year. Okay. And so and if we didn't get them this year, could in your in your opinion, I mean, does that is that missing hole of information, data, does that hurt anything to you?
1: Um, see, you have to remember that testing is is tied to money. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> and I it's agree.
1: unfortunate that, that many decisions that we make in regard to education is always tied um, to funding. So without assessment scores, I believe there's pieces of funding that may be missing or become obsolete. I, I guess I want to say that... Testing our students to, to determine their growth, to see how well we are mastering our skills that we're teaching in the classroom is not a bad thing. I think the fact that we focus so much, our country has shifted so hard to focusing on high stakes testing when there's an equity issue across the nation. And then, you know, it, it, it makes you feel bad when you know the type of community that you're serving and the needs aren't being met, yet we're being held to the same standard as other schools who are much more economically advantaged. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it it makes 100% sense. And I guess in my mind, I guess if I were, you know, somebody who made these decisions, I would say, go forward with the test, but have nothing attached to them. And what are your thoughts on that? Exactly,
1: remove the accountability stigma.
0: Exactly, So, so we still have the data, we still know how we're progressing, but mm-hmm. remove the money that's attached to it or the funding or all the other things, you know, that that may go into play there. So, um, you know, again, it's not high stakes. It's just testing. The um, other thing I want to touch on, we're, we're about out of time, but um, I know we've talked a lot about the saliva testing and, and, you know, will it make a difference and so forth. Yeah. Um, and remember, the University of Illinois was one of those schools. um doing the saliva based testing in mass. And apparently the school is conducting on average between 10,000 and 15,000 saliva based tests daily. Like I mean, they are they are accounting. This one university is counting for almost two percent of the test every day in the United States. Like so, this is a an interesting focus group, if you will, of whether That's or right. not this makes a difference. Um, I will say, however, apparently that university is dealing with a mass outbreak. So just because you're testing, I think this is the takeaway for me. Just because you're testing a lot of people, if you aren't reacting to the results of those tests, then it doesn't change things. And it looks like in this university setting where you're dealing with a lot of young people who still want to go out and have fun, even though apparently, I guess you're seeing some positive results, they're still kind of interacting with each other. So as a result this week, um, the associate professor of epidemiology um, and a member of the team that's kind of rolling out this plan, uh, she said on Twitter, we cannot test our way out of this pandemic. And so now they've put the university on a two week lockdown, and she's saying it doesn't mean the testing program has failed she says we found a problem early and we had the data to identify the cause and we have a chance to turn this around but they are now basically telling students this is in your hands and that the irresponsible actions of a small number of students have created a very Mm -hmm. real possibility of ending an in-person semester for all of them and they're basically like if we if we pull this off you know, we'll stay at school. And if we don't, you're all going home. It's kind of up to you guys. So, um, I just wanted to keep people up to date with like what that, that saliva based testing is like and and what the results are.
1: Well, I think that it's, it's a good idea, um, that they put it out there the way they did as in, this is on you. Um, we have to think about, about um, the young people, they, <laughs> they can't get away from socializing. And so one university that I read an article on, um, literally sent home a number of students suspended for the fall semester and they could not receive any of their tuition back. And I wanted to say it was over $36,000. They've already paid for um, fall tuition, but the issue is they made it very clear that they were not to have any social gatherings. They made it very clear on the number of students allowed within a dorm room allowed within the living areas. And they caught students having social gatherings and let's just call it, they're hanging out, they're eating pizza, you know, um, they're they're playing music together and even on fraternity and sorority rows, they're having parties and then there's outbreaks, which then impacts all of the other students and teachers and commuters who were trying to do it right.
0: But I, I'm gonna push back on you a little bit there on the if, Come I'm, on. if I'm hearing you right, but you're saying that they took their two tu- they're not paying them back their tuition and they kicked them out of school, right? Is that what you're we're hearing you right? They there? did. So they did at uh, that particular I, case. I think that is a unfair penalty. Because I mean, tell me uh, they they went to a party and now they're being basically being fined $36,000 and show me yeah. another crime that takes place where you get fined $36,000 for, for attending a party. So I, I feel like- the
1: I, p- I can't say I agree with that, but I agree with them being suspended for the
0: semester and I being do. sent home. I, sent home, but I think I you have to refund them their tuition or, or prorate it or, or something. I, I don't know. I just feel
1: because like- Because that's not hurting the kid. Let's be realistic. If you're attending a university and you pay $36,000 for the fall semester, uh-huh. your parents are
0: paying that. My my other takeaway on the saliva testing is uh, ignorance is bliss. And it really makes me wonder, (laughs) like they they have removed the ignorance at this university because they are testing so frequently. And so they're seeing daily results. And I just wonder if we were doing this in our schools here, um, would we see frightening results like this that we just don't necessarily see? Um, Because there may be, there's so much we don't know about COVID-19. And we really don't understand how many of these kids could be asymptomatic we don't even understand how many adults could be asymptomatic um
1: very so, true
0: so I, I don't know just i'm just throwing the information out there and i guess we can all kind of digest it on our own time. i'm interested
1: in to continue following that, that yeah
0: information definitely will i mean i think these saliva tests are, are getting close to rolling out in more businesses and possibly schools um where are we with a vaccine that's what i want to know about <laughs> as does everybody and and i mean we could probably do a whole nother episode on that but it looks like uh you know the 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 scientists, the Fauci's of the world, say early next year. The um, optimistic politicians say right before the election. So I guess it just kind of depends. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. We need a separate episode for that. Right. I don't. <laughs> want, I don't want to open up that can of worms. Uh, Christina, are you ready for today's bright idea? Looking forward to it. Our guest in today's bright idea segment is the founder and CEO of School Status. Russ Davis is here to tell us why and how. They built contact tracing and quarantine tracking features into their existing software. And those features actually can be utilized now by schools all across the country. Russ, great to have you back on Class Dismissed.
2: Thanks for having me, Nick. Sorry for having to do this uh, so such uh, so socially distanced. I guess.
0: Oh like no no. That, these days. that look if there's been been anything interesting about the the world that we live in where everyone's you know better at communicating through computers, it's actually made the quality of this podcast better. And I'm just being honest because everyone's <laughs> everyone's so much better at connecting remotely now. And I think you know microphones are getting better and their setups are better, so it's it's not so much a bad thing in that regard. Full disclosure: you guys' uh, school status is a sponsor of the show. However, um, you. Guys, give us basically free reign to to interview and do whatever we want. And I heard about these new features, uh, School Status, built into their software. And I went to you, and I was like, "Hey, we've got to talk about this. You guys have um, this quarantine tracking and contact tracing reports that y'all built into your existing software. And for anyone who's not aware, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, the best way to describe School Status it's a data and a communications tool for school districts. And you guys are in, I don't know, half a dozen more states around the country, right?
2: Uh, actually, we're in uh, twelve states now. Oh wow so, so a dozen states. Uh, a full dozen states. Yeah, absolutely. so And we serve um, you know, about a hundred and sixty districts or so across those states. So um, largely concentrated in the southeast, but uh, proud to serve districts all the way from Michigan all the way down to Louisiana. And all the way over to Georgia, and then all the way over to to the other to the west to Arizona. So we have a pretty wide swath of folks across the country, which is frankly why we came up with these features. Is because you know a lot of states, uh, the federal government really hasn't. Provided a lot of guidance to districts on, you know, how exactly they should deal with the pandemic. And so it was really left to a lot of states and the states have really, and for the most part, depending on where you live, they've really pushed that down to the districts. Well, districts are not really well suited. They're, they're well suited to educate kids. They're not really well suited to. Um, uh, to help contain and control a pandemic.
0: Yeah. They're not a health and department, right? I mean, that's...
2: that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so, and you know, the, the local regulations are like you mentioned, there's a health department, there's a state health department, there's the CDC, there's the Department of Education. And really our districts, um, we're struggling with, you know, how do we, the first thing we want to do is figure out if there is an infection or if there is a student who is suspected. Um, of, of having COVID-19 or, uh, frankly, any other communicable disease, like, you know, if this were to, uh, God forbid this should happen, you know, in, an, in another setting or even for cold and flu season, I think mm-hmm. we're going to be way better prepared in the future to handle future flu outbreaks and things like that than, than ever before. Um, but I digress Get, getting back to the the feature at hand. Basically we wanted a way for someone to log into our software to find a student. Uh, my daughter's name is Sloan Davis. So let's find Sloan Davis. And then let's kick a bu- click a button and find all of the students that they may have come in contact with based on their schedule. Right. So and, so, and
0: so it's not like you can't ever say based on walking past in the hallway, but I guess you're actually correct. Like driving into like, w- which classes has this child been in?
2: correct which classes the child have been in and if they put their extracurriculars on their schedule as well or their buses or things like that we can also tell like what oh. is the bus that they've been in contact with if they are on the football team let's let's look at that and so this is really a starting place it's not really you know we call it a contact tracing report it's not really like click point and click contact tracing because that really technology doesn't exist today it requires a human element right we just want give them a place to start so you know let's say that I've got a student and I have a then I have a list of students that they may have come in contact with um, the CDC guidelines and, and again states may override these guidelines but the base minimum is that if they've been in contact within six feet of somebody for more than 15 minutes then that person if, if the person they've been in contact with is positive or presumptive positive then they have to be quarantined for um, up to 14 days right and so so um, often what that looks Like they send them home to virtual school. And so what a lot of districts will do is they'll take this report and then they'll go find the seating chart for that classroom or work with that teacher and figure out where folks are sitting. Um, They'll talk to the individual student, their parent, figure out who else they came in contact with, maybe at lunch or something like that. And they just build a list of students that need to be quarantined. So that was the first step, right? And so folks said, this is really great. We love it. This is going to help us save so okay. much time. And
0: before before you go to the next step, though, sure. I just want to make sure the, the listeners understand. So basically, you're saying if if your daughter Sloane Davis contracts COVID and you can go into your software and you click a, you click a button and then it says yep. all these students were in class with this student. So then I guess you could then in turn maybe email all those parents rather than emailing the entire second grade or first grade or sure. whatever,
2: right? Yep, absolutely. And, and really it's up to the school at that point for how they want to deal with it. But what a lot of them will do is they will quarantine the students who are within six feet of that student for more than 15 minutes. So if you were to look at like a row of desks mm-hmm. and Sloan's in the center of those desks, they would, they would quarantine everybody that was surrounding her basically, because in the class period, they're going to be in contact with that student for more than 15 minutes. So, um, so instead of having to quarantine an entire classroom or an entire uh, class of students, like uh, some of our customers have had to do, um they they really can just log in and you know it's kind of hyper local i guess right. but they don't what what they're not doing is they're not spending an hour logging into their sis in a clunky interface trying to find the students who who are in fact uh, in contact with them because the key is to get them out of class as quickly as possible because if they came in contact with the student and let's say this is what happens typically is that students are symptomatic uh 2 to 3 days before um they uh, they're contagious rather two to three days before they're symptomatic. Mm-hmm. And so what they'll do is that, okay, um, let's say that Sloan was was um, symptomatic. She she started manifesting symptoms today. So what the district would do is they would go back and run this report, and they would try to find all the students who, um, within the last few days, have been in contact with Sloan.
0: So it, it basically builds like an Excel sheet at that point when you say run the yeah, it report? Does.
2: It builds a, build a spreadsheet that yeah. they can make notes on, do whatever they want to do. It has a student's... Um, Contact information. Um, it has the student's name. It has the student's grade. All that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So, so that's the first place. So then you kind of run into the issue. Okay, well, I've got multiple students who are are quarantined. When can they return to school? Right. So, so the great thing about running school status is that initially we kind of like had to like you know read tea leaves to try to figure out uh, exactly what features to build. Mm-hmm. We kind of had to read the market because there wasn't a great product like ours really on the market. You know, eight or nine years ago. Now, our customers tell us exactly what they want us to do. So our roadmap is almost 100% driven by our customers' demand. And so the next thing customers said was, hey, this is really great, but I'm having to track now you know, when students were quarantined and why and when they can return to school uh, in a spreadsheet somewhere. And that's not really HIPAA compliant, and there's a lot of other issues running around with it. So can we just track that in school status? And of course, we said, yes, absolutely. Right. And so to, to augment that feature, we added a COVID tracking feature. So that you can log in and say, okay, Sloan has been, today is the third and uh, she uh, pop positive or is presumptive positive. There are reasons you can choose, like uh, a family member uh, has been exposed, so they have to be quarantined. That's another reason that they can't come back to school. Um, and then it automatically projects forward 14 days, which is the uh, – there's been two sets of CDC guidelines. We went with the the most conservative, which is 14 days. Some folks say 10 days. You can override it whenever right. you okay. decide on when. So if you chose today's a the third, then it would calculate the 17th as being 14 days in advance when she could return to school. Um, so – That's tracked within school status and you can, the good news is that you can track multiple infections. So if a student, you know, a student can be quarantined multiple times that they come in contact with multiple students throughout the year. So it basically keeps a running record so that if you need to report back to your state health officials or your local health officials, you know, who are the students that are currently quarantined and how many and when and why and that sort of thing? Basically, it's a central clearinghouse to store this information as opposed to keeping, you know, sensitive health data. Um in a in a large Google spreadsheet that everybody can see, which is what some districts were doing, which
0: yeah uh, is pretty can, scary. That can get messy.
2: Absolutely can. And so uh, that's why we created that feature. So not only do you have a place to find the students who should be quarantined, but you have a place to store their quarantine information. Um, and that information is logged and recorded. So who's looked at it and when? And it's tied to the individual student. So And it can't be like teach... a red
0: flag, can it? Like where it's like, hey, Johnny, Johnny's back at school and they shouldn't be yet? or
2: Yeah, we could we could very well do that. Uh, but what most people are doing, most people are respecting the guidelines. What they could also do is use this data to communicate with those parents. So whenever that student is marked as quarantine, they can very quickly go to the contacts tab and then communicate with the parent directly and, uh, you know, send the send the same language out to everybody. So they can copy and paste into a text message to that parent saying, hey, your child has been quarantined because they came in contact with another student and they can return to school in the state. And so, you know, again, harnessing that communications component. So the place where I store the data, the place where I reach out to people, um, and if anybody has a question, have I re- has anyone reached out to this parent to tell them their child's quarantine? Um, you can very easily do that uh, within the um, uh, within our software. So you can see all the communication that's transpired with that parent uh, within our software. So the- all, all the communication is logged and recorded. So there's a record of when you reached out to that t- uh, parent and told them that their child was quarantined.
0: This is um, really forward thinking. And, and, and I say this because we, we did an episode uh, where we featured you guys back in late March. Because at that time, you had already foreseen that this was about to happen back in i think like late january or february early february and you had already built all the the procedures in place to have your entire team work remotely and so you wouldn't see an interruption in service and i think like by late march you guys were connecting millions of teachers and parents during the coronavirus of your existing customers and so now you guys are are doing these great features and you're quickly turning them out i mean like how hard was it for you to quickly build a contact tracing report and a quarantine track? Like, this takes developers and time to do stuff like this. Sure. this
2: yeah, it does, it does. And the toughest thing is really figuring out what to prioritize, right? Is, you know, for instance, we typically do a lot of accountability work uh, during the summer. So we look at the school's grades and what tests they took and things like that. Luckily, a lot of those tests were suspended this year. So we were able to free up some of that that development time. But honestly, Nick, um, sometimes you just have to make the time, right? Sometimes you just have to go, look, this is really important. And even though that other feature, we really wanted to come out. There's a a specific feature that um, is going to be very exciting for our company. And I'm not at liberty to talk about it until it's released. But we've been really working hard on it. And then we basically had to pause development on it to make sure that these features were done because we felt like, you know, having a way to deal with COVID was probably more important than a new feature coming out. Um, so, you know, it's just hard to, to learn what to prioritize and what not to prioritize.
0: So are you seeing these tools, the, the contact tracing report, the quarantine tracking, are you seeing them utilized already by districts?
2: Yeah, we are. Um, we're getting a uh, we we monitor utilization, but yeah, we're seeing lots of that. Um, and now we're trying to work with our State Department of Health, uh, mm-hmm. like in our court, uh, our home state of Mississippi. Um, we're actually working directly with the Department of Health to try to upload this data directly to them with district's permission, because they have a survey that they have to fill out that says how many students were infected, how many teachers, how mm-hmm.
0: many have Yeah, we, we've been actually thing. reporting about that on the show.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we're actually trying to work directly with, since we have about uh, 78, 79% of the state of Mississippi is using our product, uh, we're working hard to try to eliminate our districts that work with us from having to do that survey at all and also provide more timely information to health officials because I think their compliance rate was something around 40 or 50% uh, amongst their schools. And so we want to make that number closer to at least 80%. The districts who uh, don't participate in our product can can then... um, uh, submit you know submit their data manually, but we're just trying to take more work off of districts because right now, honestly, every district in the country, whether they're in school or not, are currently at capacity. And we're just trying to provide the most valuable resource that they have, which is time, right? We're trying right. to give more time back so that people aren't spending time doing reports whenever the data already lives somewhere. We're kind of trying to short-circuit that process and get the data directly to the officials that need it.
0: You all were uniquely positioned to pull this off because you, I guess you have all the the st- whatever's in your sys, right? Like that's, you guys already had ingested that. I mean, I guess a lot of companies couldn't come in and do this without importing all that data, right?
2: Yeah, they probably could. And and the, the, it would be hard for them to do it, I guess. And honestly, I'm really surprised that every sys in the country hasn't developed this capacity. Like, it just seems relatively intuitive to me to, you know, if you have it, there should be a place to track it and that increases your utilization. But honestly, what we found over the years, and not to, Ding sisses, right? It's just that they're, they have these large kind of monolithic platforms and it's really hard for them to innovate. And so one of the things we've worked really hard at school status is to build a platform that we can build other applications on top of our existing data sets so that whenever we want to add COVID tracking or whenever we want to add, you know, a new feature, we can very quickly do that without um, having to rip it all apart and add it back. And so, um, you know, we could either wait for like we work with, I think, 14 or 15 different SIS manufacturers, like uh, student information packages, basically, like PowerSchool or Infinite Campus or SAM or, or any of the other ones that are out there. Um, we could either wait for them to do it and try to pull the data into our software, or we could just do it ourselves. And that's what we decided to do. Instead of waiting for these companies to eventually get around to it, which it doesn't like they are um, or have a district kind of do a one-off solution. We just decided to have some uniformity amongst our customers so that, you know, we could build a a cohesive experience.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, it's, it's all about saving districts time. And whenever we ask our guests, you know, what's the best gift to give an educator? One common answer is time, like give us more time Time. somehow. And and I noticed that, um, it looks like y'all also are releasing, I don't know what you call it, a help article or, 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 you know, some sort of help page on your website and it's really cool because you your looks like your team built Contact tracing news release temp- templates. They built contact tracing announcement templates. So basically, if you're a district, you just go on there, you d- you pull down the template, and if you want to send this to your local media to say, "Hey, here's what we're doing, and here's how we're doing it," or if you want to send it out to your all your parents and say, "Here's what we're doing, here's how we're doing it," those releases are already written. And you just plug in like district name and so yep. forth. It's pretty slick. Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Like we wanted to make it as as paint by numbers easy as possible because again. The thing that districts don't have, especially at the district offices, and teachers are super busy, but also, you know, the folks that are actually planning and running districts at the top, um, they're very busy as well. And so we didn't want it to be a hindrance, right? We didn't want it to be something where they had to be like, okay, what do we do? How do we roll this out, right? So we wanted to provide a checklist, which is exactly what we've done on that page, uh, provide a checklist for contact tracing. Uh, so that folks could, you know, how do I tell my staff that this is coming out and where it lives in our software? How do I train people on this? How do I tell my local media about this? What is my checklist whenever I reach out and talk to parents? What am I supposed to be communicating to them um, about uh, being quarantined, for instance? And we provide some CDC guidance on there um, for how to, how to do contact tracing in the wild and ways to communicate in the templates in order to do so. And so we want to, we want to take as much work because look, the thing about it is, is that districts aren't experts at this. They're not doing it every day, and and frankly, neither are school status. We're not experts at this either, right? But what we can do is find a best practice and replicate that to as many districts as possible. Because there's really no sense in 160 something districts doing the same thing over and over and over again whenever they share a common thing, which is us, right? So let's help them by finding a best practice. What's the best way to roll this out and disseminating that to all these districts? And if you think about, you know, let's say that the average um, work burden to type up that information, find it on the web, and things like that is six hours, right? Then what you are saving is thousands of educator hours, which are you know better money. spent effectively. Yeah. yeah, it's it's money, it's time, and those are things that districts just don't have a lot of right now. So anything we can do to make it better, that's what we want to do.
0: That's really cool. Now we have listeners that I'm sure are School Status customers already, and then mm-hmm. we have some that aren't. So let's let's kind of sure. break it down. If you if you are already a School Status customer, like you have access to this, it already exists.
2: You do. Yeah. If you log in, no, it's a, it's a gated permission, right? So to run the contact tracing report um, it's usually it has to have a special permission. So we don't want, um, just anybody running a report because that could run into the FERPA issues or they could potentially see students that they don't have contact with. Mm-hmm. And so the way it works is that if you're at the district level, if you're a district administrator, which is typically the person who's going to be running this report, then you log in, you type in the student's name, like Sloan Davis, and then there's a contact tracing button on their schedule and you click that and it's going to generate their contact tracing report. Um, similarly in their, in their, um, Uh, student card as well is a COVID uh, contact tracing tab as well that they can log in and save the date that they were quarantined, Mm -hmm. uh, when they can return to school and the reason that they're being quarantined. And, you know, I really, again, want to emphasize that as COVID wanes, right, and we're not there yet, right? We don't have a vaccine. We don't have you know everybody kind of thinks herd immunity is this you know uh the city on the hill it's going to take a really long time to reach that right? right so really vaccines are our best option whenever we do have a vaccine for this it's still going to be around for a while but if it's not this tab can also be used for flu. the flu Yeah, right let's contain the flu the flu kills a lot of people every year and it really shut it shut i mean we do a um I know that you guys routinely do a story about the flu shutting down. Uh, Oklahoma you know, whole, last year, yeah. I think, had to yeah, shut absolutely. down. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And so, like, you know, that doesn't have to happen anymore. Whenever we encounter a student with the flu, we can find s- students that they have – the flu is transmitted in a very similar way, right? It's an airborne – it's airborne or it's uh, it's liquid droplet-based, Um So we can do these same things. So like, you know, the concept of wearing a mask, right, seemed foreign to us. In fact, I used to go through the airport. I travel a lot, like I travel like a hundred days a year. Right. I used to go through the airport, I would see somebody wearing a mask and I would go, gee whiz, or are they protecting us from them or or them from us? Yeah, it was foreign. And um and so um, now it's just you know I, I had uh, breakfast earlier and everybody was wearing a mask and that's just how it is. I think we'll go back to not wearing masks, but whenever there's a flu outbreak in a school, it's probably not a bad idea that people wear masks. We can kill that flu outbreak dead in its tracks, right. and we can quarantine people. We can use these same things. And the thing about it is, our um, in Mississippi we have a state board president, a guy named Jason Dean. He said something very early on that mm-hmm. I thought was very smart which was we never have to have a, a snow day ever again,
0: right? I mean, you just broke kids' hearts all over the country. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> yeah, you could still go sledding, right? But uh, you'll never have a snow day again because you can. we now just transition from from in, in-person traditional learning, which is kind of the gold standard, to virtual learning for a few days until the snow clears and then we're good to go. And more importantly, people don't have to make those days up in their calendars anymore. Right, and that's a big deal. We're, It is a huge deal. It's tons and tons of lost time every year, uh, lost productivity, uh, lost learning. That that is just really important. And so I would tell those kids that you may not have a snow day, but you may get more time into your calendar for summer and spring break and those other things. So Mm -hmm. I I really do see this as a great paradigm shift. Education will go back to a lot of the same things it was doing before, but I think that virtual learning as an option is here to stay, right? And that's a good thing.
0: So if somebody's listening and they're like, all right, I need to learn more about School Status. I mean, they help with communication. They help with tracking data. And now they help with contact tracing and quarantine tracking. Like, where do they start?
2: Yeah, the best place to start is, is our website, which is schoolstatus.com, S-C-H-O-O-L-S-T-A-T-U-S.com. Or you can call us at 855-9-STATUS, um, and that'll reach somebody. Typically, it'll go right to our uh, support center. And if you say you'd like to speak to somebody, then we're happy to do so. Or you can um, just email info at schoolstatus.com. So, uh, you know, by hook or by crook, short of carrier pigeon, there's a great way to get in touch with us. And we'd love to talk to you about school status and, and uh, the ways in which we can help, you know, add your district to our fold and try to implement some of these time-saving um, procedures.
0: Russ, this is awesome. I mean, you guys literally here with this contact tracing and quarantine tracking, you, you really did build the airplane while you were flying it. So kudos to you sure. guys. And, and that, that's just incredible work, which I've done.
2: Well, we appreciate it. We're just trying to supplement the, the, I mean, the thing that we never forget at school status is that the people that are really doing the heavy lifting are customers that are out there in the district. So anything we can do to make that process better or easier. Um, we're connecting millions of messages every single uh, every single day now. And so it's, uh, it's a big change for us. But anything we can do to help facilitate that and to give teachers back time or administrators back time, whether it be communicating with parents, looking at data, or even contact tracing now, we want to be able to do that.
0: Awesome. Russ, it's great to have you back on the show.
2: Thanks, Nick. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, I'll uh, have some time and uh, I'll be able to come back and do a little... Uh, uh, I guess I'm I'm not the host anymore. I'm not even we, a co-host anymore. We kind of we kinda just
0: faded you out gently. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> yep. I would love to come back and do some uh, guest spots and uh, get back into the, the fold, but uh, honestly, you guys are doing so good without me. I don't even know where I'd fit in.
0: Yeah, Russ. Uh, for those that don't know, Russ uh, used to co-host with us back in the uh, earlier days, the first uh, 100 episodes or so. So if you want to hear more from him, you know, just grab those old archived episodes.
2: Again, oh, Russ, awesome. thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. Right, I appreciate you it. Have a good one. Room. That's going to do
0: it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at Class Dismissed. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina, representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week.
1: Class Dismissed.